Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> it's lovely to be here. Mount Barker Baptist, would you join me as I pray before I bring the Bible reading today? When all was cold and all was dark, when all was quiet in the night, when dreams were gone and hearts were broken, you came into this world. A little baby, small, vulnerable, like any other baby. And yet, within your tiny body, there beat the heart and soul of a king. A king like no other king. And as you grew, you humbly walked the dusty roads, healing the sick, gazing into the eyes of the forgotten and the lonely, and breathing life upon their longing hearts. So powerful, you could crush us all, and yet so tender, so kind, dear Jesus, that is who you are. So today, amidst the flurry of Christmas, I pray that you would strengthen the weak and comfort those who mourn, that you would speak to the hearts of those who need encouragement today, that you would sing over us all and remind us all who we are in you, such little people, but a people so very loved and cherished by our Heavenly Father who formed and made us. You are greater than any artist or any sculptor who ever lived. Thank you, our King, our Saviour, and our most precious friend. Glory be to you now and forever, our dearest Jesus. Amen. Our reading today is a very well-known reading but I pray that it will come to our hearts afresh. It is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. The birth of Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, 
do not be afraid, for I bring you good news that will bring cause of great joy for all the people. For today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a little baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to all of us on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary... She treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Turn the mic on. I just want to say, I, Evie, did you prepare to do the prayer? Yeah, I reckon at the end of Hark the Herald Angels, if Evie still wants to do the prayer... We should get her up to lead us in prayer at the close of the service. So just if you want to, Evie, uh, that would be lovely. Uh, well, it was 1989. Who remembers 1989? It was at Memorial Drive. It was October 28th. And I was standing there in the midst of 10,000 or so people cheering at the amazing concert that you 2 had just performed. It was the Love Town tour, and they... Blew it out of the park, and we were cheering for more. We wanted more from you too. I would have to say, in my humble opinion, one of the greatest rock bands there is and will ever be. You can say amen if you agree with me. <laughs> Friendship, brother, come on, you love them. And as we cheered, they came back out, and they did a five-set, five-songs encore. And the third song they did was When Love came to town. And B.B. King came out, the blues artist and singer, uh, with his guitar, and they started into When Love Came to Town. And that song is actually about the life of Jesus, Jesus coming to our world. And if you listen to the lyrics, this is what it says, when love comes to town, I'm going to jump that train, I'm not going to sing it, when love comes to town, I'm going to catch that flame. Maybe I was wrong to ever let you down, but I did what I did 
before love came to town. And I think that's a beautiful phrase for describing what Christmas is. Christmas is when love came to town, just as that song is about Jesus coming to the world and bringing love. Now, that being said, it's been a difficult year uh, for Australia. Adelaide's fared pretty well um, in terms of coronavirus so far, but Australia's had some difficult times as a nation. And Paul Kelly, uh, who writes in the Australian newspaper, wrote this week, it's been a year of punishment for most Australians. See, it's tough. (laughs) Some people find it tough. It's been a year of punishment, a year even tougher than 2020. COVID running its course, people rethinking their lives. This has been one of the most extraordinary years in Australia's history. It has no parallel for the impact it's had on most of today's Australians. A pandemic that originated in China has forced home lockdowns, border closures, testing and tracing regimes under pressure, job losses, business hardships and closures, separation from loved ones, mental stress and isolation. So we might ask, it's a relevant question, if love came to town at Christmas, if the birth of Jesus means that love came to town, why is the town still such a mess? Why do we still go through so many difficulties? Now, greater minds than I, and many people have dealt with this over many centuries, and I can't deal with that question this morning, but I would just suggest that the story's not over yet, that love has come to town, but the story's not yet finished. Like when the Allies landed on the the beaches of Normandy on D-Day in the Second World War. Effectively, the war was over when they all landed on the beaches. But it took some time for the battles and the skirmishes and things to to finally unfold when the day came when it was Victory Day, V-Day, I think they call it. It's a bit like that with the birth of Jesus. It has happened. God has come. He has set in motion events that cannot be reversed. But we're not there yet. We're still in the story and it is still hard. But I love what C.S. Lewis said in the way that only he could say it. The birth of Christ, the birth of Jesus, is the central event in the history of the earth. The very thing the whole story has been about. The whole story of humanity. The birth of Christ is the central event in that story. So let me share with you what I think love coming to town means just in a few moments this morning. Firstly, I think it means that God offers us friendship. God offers us friendship. No more loneliness. That's what love coming to town means. This is what Matthew said in his gospel. All this took place to fulfill what God had said through the prophet Isaiah, 700 or so years before. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which is Hebrew for God with us. God with us. Christmas means, love coming to town means friendship. God offers friendship to the world. He offers friendship to everyone, not based on their status, not based on what they look like, where they were born, not based on any of that. God offers us friendship. Now, like the coronavirus, loneliness is a 21st century pandemic. It moves like a silent but deadly foe in our cities, our communities, our homes, and sadly, sometimes, even in our churches. Now, you may not have heard of Tracy Crouch, 
but I'm about to tell you about her. In 2018, she was appointed the UK government's first Minister for Loneliness. At the time of her appointment, the British Prime Minister, Theresa May, said, for far too many people, loneliness is the sad reality of life. And in reporting on her appointment, Time magazine wrote that close to 10 million people in the UK, 10 million, this is a quote, often or always feel lonely. 10 million people. And in America, a third of people, over 45, report feeling lonely most of the time. And this led the US Surgeon General to to say that loneliness is a growing health epidemic and that social isolation can have a reduction in lifespan equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Social isolation and loneliness. And the stats are similar in Australia where people express similar levels of feeling alone and loneliness. But with the coming of Jesus, when love came to town, God offers friendship to everyone. And he's the best friend that you can have. No one has to be left out. Young, old, poor, rich, professors or paupers, women, men, every tribe, every tongue. God offers us friendship. This is what Jesus said, not at the start of his life, but just before he would go to the cross to give his life for us all. He said this, greater love has no one than this, that they lay down one's their life for their friends and that's what he did you are my friends he said if you do what i command what did he command love one another i no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business instead i have called you friends god offers us friendship are you god's friend have you taken up his offer of friendship he holds it out to you At Christmas, love came to town because God offers us his friendship. And God also offers us future hope, which is a strange phrase perhaps because hope is about the future. We're just emphasising the hope that we have in the future because of the birth of Jesus. No more death. God offers us future hope. No more death. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 1. The people living in darkness, this is a quote from the ancient prophet Isaiah, people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. And we all live in the land of the shadow of death. And the coming of Jesus, when love came to town, that shadow has started to disperse. Now, I've done many funerals over the years, I've had the privilege of being by the bedside of people saying some of the last words to them and hearing some of the last words they'll ever speak on this earth. And it's such a joy and such a blessing to speak to someone who is a friend of God, who's made their peace with God, and to speak to them the hope that death is not the end. It's a doorway and God will take them through it. And there is great life and light and joy awaiting them because of Jesus on the other side. Now, even science is getting into hope recently, which is interesting because hope is a spiritual quality. It's not a scientific quality, but scientists love to get involved in things, and that's okay. There is, in the Arizona State University, the Center for the Advanced Study and Practice of Hope. And this is what they've discovered. 
Mind you, the Bible talks about hope all the way through, so it's good that science has caught up. Um, But apparently hope is good, according to science. Students that have more hope do better at school. They have more developed social and emotional skills, and they foster stronger connections with their peers when they have hope. The strategy of hope is fairly robust in its real-world impact, says Dr. John Parsi. This isn't squishy science. Even as experts in this field, we get surprised time and time again by the impact and results these hope interventions have on the populations they are implemented in. So the scientists are saying, where there's hope, we see human flourishing. We see human um, benefit. We see that where there's hope. And I love the Oxford Handbook of Hope. Introduction says this, hope has long been a topic of interest both within and outside psychology, Uh, And decades of research have now demonstrated that hope promotes resilience and that hope is beneficial across all contexts and across the lifespan of individuals, which I would agree with. Then the the report, the Oxford report, says this, and I, I thought this is ironic. The two most prominent scientists in the field of hope have now passed away. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Hope has to deal with death. Hope has to face death and there has to be an answer. The scientists know that hope is really important, that it's vital to have hope. But even the senior researchers in the field of hope, they passed away. They've left this earth. And it's an irony. And death has to, hope has to deal with death. And this is what the birth of Jesus does. When love came to town, listen to what the angels say to the shepherds. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of King David, Bethlehem, a saviour has been born to you. A saviour who will save us. What will he save us from? Save us from our sins. But he saves us from death. From death being the end. From death being scary. From death being the final judgment on us. He saves us from that. And so there's always hope. And this is universally relevant because I've travelled around the world and I've noticed that people die in all cultures, that it's universal. The biggest killer in the world last year was death. (laughs) And it comes to us all. We live in that shadow. But because love came to town at Christmas, God gives us friendship. He gives us future hope. And finally, thirdly, God gives us forgiveness. God offers us forgiveness. No more guilt and shame when love came to town. This is what Luke chapter 1 says, that Jesus came to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. Do you know what mercy is? Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. We have sinned against God. We have turned away from him. We have rebelled. And it would be right for God to be harsh and punish us and judge us. But mercy is God not giving us what we deserve and instead pardoning us and offering us forgiveness. There's an interesting thing happening in our Western world, and there was an article written by Professor Wilfred Maclay a couple of years ago in a journal called The Hedgehog Review, which I'm sure you all subscribe to. The article was called The Strange Persistence of Guilt. 
And he wasn't writing from a religious perspective. He's an academic. Uh, and this is what he said. Those of us living in the developed countries of the Western world find ourselves in the tightening grip of a paradox. It's the strange persistence of guilt as a psychological force in modern life. Guilt has not merely lingered, it has grown and metastasized or gotten worse. And his argument is that apparently in the 1960s when we had the big cultural revolutions and we threw off all restraint and kind of just went our way and were liberated, we threw off the old-fashioned religion and church teachings and Christianity. It was also oppressive and repressive. and, And we thought once we get rid of all that, then we won't have guilt anymore. All that guilt just comes from old-fashioned teaching and and religious doctrines. And once we get rid of that, we'll be free of guilt. We'll just be liberated and and enjoy life. And actually, that hasn't happened. And Professor Wilfred Maclay is saying, we're seeing across the Western world many people plagued and racked with guilt and not knowing how to deal with it, not having any resolution to it because we've thrown off the one resolution that there is. And that's when love came to town, when Jesus came to bring forgiveness and offer forgiveness. And he goes on to say this in the article, um, that scientific and technical knowledge and the displacement of Christianity and Judaism, Judaism from our culture have created two problems. The first is that modern science can't instruct us how to live. It can't tell us what we should live for, let alone what we should be willing to sacrifice for or die for. And second, Science cannot do anything to relieve the guilt weighing down our souls. And yet, listen to Matthew. Listen to the the angel speaking to Joseph about the birth of Jesus. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. He will deliver them from guilt and from shame. And that's the source of forgiveness now, two or three years ago, three or four young, four young children were walking in Sydney to go and buy an ice cream. And a drugged and drunk, crazed man in a car ploughed into them at high speed and virtually killed all four of them instantly. And the Abdullah family uh, have been a model for the nation on what forgiveness looks like. And this is what Layla Abdullah said just one year after that crash took the lives of three of her children. She said, forgiveness gives you freedom and allows you to live your life peacefully. Forgiveness is the greatest gift you can give yourself. We chose to turn our tragedy into a greater goodness. We chose to carry our cross with dignity. We chose forgiveness and love over hatred. And they publicly forgave the man who took their three precious children and their cousin. Layla and Danny Abdullah are friends with God. They know the forgiveness that Jesus offers them. They are devout followers of Christ. And that's where they receive the strength and grace to forgive the man who recklessly murdered their children. In that song, Love Came to Town, that I quoted earlier that I won't sing, it has a last verse which goes like this. I was there when they crucified my Lord. I held the scabbard when the soldier drew his sword. I threw the dice when they pierced his side. But I've seen love conquer 
the great divide. And the great divide is death. The great divide is our sin, separates us from God. But Jesus comes on Christmas Day. Love comes to town to bridge that divide. And remember what Jesus said on the cross as he gave his life, as he gave up his last breath? He said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. Christmas is love coming to town because God offers us friendship. He offers us friendship and he's the best friend you could ever have. He offers us future hope. We don't have to fear death. He offers us forgiveness and that's good news. But gifts are incomplete. Who got some gifts this morning, Christmas time? Juliet, did you get gifts? Yeah? Kids, Hewan? You haven't opened them. That's the point I'm about to make. So thank you for segueing into this point so perfectly, Hewan. The thing about a gift is you have to open it. You have to open it. God gives us all the gift of friendship, of future hope, of forgiveness. This is what he offers through Jesus. But these gifts have to be received by faith, received thankfully and opened up and entered into. I invite you to be a friend of God, to believe in a future filled with hope, a heavenly kingdom beyond death, and to humbly receive God's forgiveness because he loves to forgive. Could there be better gifts to open on Christmas Day? Could there be better gifts? Finally, the last quote from the U2 song, When Love Comes to Town. When love comes to town, I'm going to jump that train. When love comes to town, I'm going to catch that flame. Maybe I was wrong to ever let you down, but I did what I did before love came to town. And on Christmas Day, we celebrate that in Jesus, love has come to town. So jump that train and catch that flame. Amen. I'll invite the team up as I pray. And uh, then I get to join them with a, with a bit of drums. So let me pray for us. Our Heavenly Father, thank you that Christmas means love has come to town and you're not leaving town. Thank you that in Jesus we have friendship with God. We have a future hope. We don't need to fear death. And we have forgiveness. We have the mercy of God. Lord, bless all these dear people here today. Help our Christmas know this truth. Help it be filled with this joy, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.